Success Leaves Clues. Welcome to the Health Business Growth Show, where we take you behind the scenes of the top health businesses to learn how they built their success. I'm your host, JJ Virgin, founder of the Mindshare Collaborative, along with members of our Mindshare Mentor Team. Each week, we are joined by some of the most brilliant, innovative health business experts you're going to ever meet. These folks have built empires from scratch, navigated the choppy waters of entrepreneurship, and will be sharing both their struggles and their successes on the journey of creating a thriving health business. So if you're ready to take your business to the next level by learning from the best, you are in the right place. So let's get this party started. We are so glad you are here. So you've created your program. That's the creation phase of the health business ascension model. You've sold it to a warm audience. Now you're ready to step into optimize. You're going to go out to the cold and you realize, you know what? I need some help with sales. What the heck do you do? Who do you hire? How do you make sure that they are handling this way you are? How do you get this monkey off your back? Because you've discovered while you're good at it, you don't really want to be doing sales, nor is it where you should be. So what do you do? Aha, I have the answer for you with this one guest we have today, and it is Allison Walsh. She is an attorney, an expert business consultant, a founder, a best-selling author, an international speaker, an influential leader, a certified positive psychology course coach, and she is on a mission to help influential high-stake leaders build their confidence, scale their businesses, and elevate their personal brands. And yes, we're going to be talking about personal brands today too, why you want to build one, and Who on your team should be building it too? And if that takes your breath away a bit, don't worry. That's what I brought up too. There's a reason for this. Allison was definitely an overachiever from a young age. By the age of 30, she became the vice president of a company destined for unicorn status, which she helped build from the ground up to a billion-dollar valuation. Then she did it again. So she is not a one-hit wonder. She's won multiple awards for her philanthropy, raising over $2 million for eating disorders prevention. She hosts the She Believes She Could podcast. She's the author of the She Believes She Could book. And she is going to be providing a lot of cool resources for us, which I'm putting at mindsurecollaborative.com forward slash Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N. All righty. I will be right back with Allison Walsh. Stay with me. Allison, I'm super excited to have you on the show today, and I'm even more excited because I see that we're going to be talking about building sales teams. Absolutely. Uh, JJ, I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I was looking at it because I knew you're going to be talking a little bit about your book, and then I saw this angle, and I go, this is fantastic because when I think of a group of people who would really love to have a sales team or just one great salesperson on their team, it's our beloved healthcare professionals who pretty much will all tell you they hate sales. (laughs) Now, I would argue that in order to be a great healthcare professional in the functional space, you're selling all the time. You have to sell them on lifestyle habits, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they are. Getting people to buy in, right? To everything. Absolutely. A different paradigm. But I would love to, before we get into this, like juicy content here, I'd love to just get into, like, how did you get into training sales teams, scaling sales teams, all of this? It really happened by accident. So I got involved in the behavioral healthcare space when I was 18 years old. I was very much impacted by a terrible eating disorder when I was younger. 
and realized that I wanted to do something about it and I wanted to use my voice to create change, right? And so when you're a young advocate, first thing you think of is like, I'm going to start a nonprofit. I'm going to be out there. I'm going to help people. Well, as a result, that advocacy got me into a lot of places and spaces with a lot of fabulous healthcare providers that realized that, you know, I had something of value to offer, right? And, and hope and support. Initially thought I was going to be an attorney. I went to law school, got my JD, was going to fight the insurance companies. But during my oh, third boy. Year, I know, right? I was like going Let's for just it. Go right? straight to the big Goliath and go. Yeah, out. yeah exactly. I'm going to take down the man, right? I was so annoyed by healthcare providers not being able to provide the care for the patients that they needed to because the insurance company was dictating what was going to happen. So I was just really, you know, very, very riled up at an early age about this. During my third year of law school, a woman that had actually booked me to speak prior reached out to me and said, is anybody on your board of directors looking for a business development or sales job? We're getting ready to open some facilities, one focused on eating disorders and one focused on addiction. And I realized that I no longer wanted to tackle the insurance company. I was just being stubborn and not quitting law school. And so I said, I am. So my third year of law school, I started working in the treatment industry and helping to launch these couple of programs. About a year in, I was tapped to be the second person to come in and start an entire behavioral health care company. And then did that for 10 years. You were what, like 20 at the time? I was in my, yeah, I was in my 20s. By the time I was 30, I was vice president of a national behavioral health care company, scaled it from zero to a thousand employees, built out the entire sales department, marketing, business development, reached that billion dollar valuation, then was tapped to do it again at another mental health care startup. And so was seeing this repeatable success, right? Like there's an infrastructure that can be put in place. We can scale swiftly. We can have great best practices. And we can help to get this message out through relationship selling, right? We weren't closing contracts. We were really developing meaningful relationships that were going to make a big difference for both the provider and the patient. So it was a win-win situation. Which is what we all need. And, you know, for people listening, I'm sure they just heard a thousand employees and sales teams. I just need someone so that I don't have to do it anymore. (laughs) So someone who has maybe a brick and mortar or maybe they're virtual and they've created a program, they've shifted off of insurance and now they're practicing on their terms. However, because of that, now they have to have a sales process. Where would they start? First, you have to map out the different stages before you can bring anybody else in to help. You need to make sure that you're clear on what that process is for the individuals that are going to be essentially the messengers of your your message and your mission. So really understanding, like, what do you need? Looking at your own data first, and then you can take a step back and say, okay, well, if this is what I've been able to do on my own, right, you should be able to see a lift from a salesperson. There are a lot of people out there that are willing to do this on commission. They're willing to get in, get involved, and help you build something special. One thing that I've realized being in this space is that one of the biggest things missing in a lot of people's lives who prefer to work for someone else versus starting their own thing is that they're looking for purpose. They're looking to do something that makes a difference in the lives of others. And naturally, everybody that's listening to this right now, JJ, that's that's what you guys do, right? Like you are in the healthcare space. You like helping people get optimal results for their lives. People are looking for that opportunity. And so it has been a beautiful experience for me to interview thousands of people just this last year alone that I've brought on to sales teams of them looking for these types of opportunities. So there's an abundance out there. 
LinkedIn is a great resource. There are people looking for opportunities every single day. And with some support, things that I offer through my business as well, we can help you get the right people on board. Yeah, I was just going to say they're on LinkedIn, but we have no idea how to even identify is this a right fit? I can give just some some tips too, right? Like we've seen a lot of success with individuals that are a couple years out of school. They've got maybe some foundational selling experience, but they're looking to have more purpose in their lives. Those individuals are great fits for people in the healthcare space because they're driven. They've got some best practices. And with some additional coaching development training, they're going to be all-stars and they're going to come in and be very invested in your business, which is also a lot of fun too, because the better that they are, the more you're going to sell, the more that you can give to them also and create a career that's worth staying for. I find for a lot of our founders, they can sell someone into their program because they know it works And, you know, what I always teach them is it's a disservice not to if they're a right fit, like that's not fair to them. So they know it works and they can bring them in, but they are unconsciously competent. And when it goes to teaching another person how to do it, they have no clue beyond having them maybe shadow or script. Is there a training process for a salesperson coming in? Yeah, there's so many opportunities, everything from like amazing books that can give the infrastructure to deciding what the process is going to be, right? Like, I think that's the thing is like, don't worry about trying to clone yourself, right? A good salesperson or even somebody that's relatively green is going to pick up. They're going to see it. They're going to learn it. They're going to be immersed in it. But if you can say, listen, like, for example, I love Sales EQ, right? Jeb Blunt has been a phenomenal mentor in my life that's actually the individual that connected me with my publisher to write a book. He's incredible. He has a company called Sales Gravy. He gives you everything that you need, right, in some of these books to be able to really produce great results. And when I train a salesperson, they read those before they even start with me. Okay. And that which books were they specifically? So you said Sales EQ by uh-huh. Jeb Blunt and Fanatical Prospecting also by Jeb Blunt. They are incredible foundational books for people that are in sales. I don't care how long they've been in sales, but it breaks it down and it gives you a process. It shouldn't be hard. And then I walk everybody through when I'm training them on effective messaging and how to really share the story, how to be more consultative in your approach. And I've included a lot of those aspects in my own book, right? Because I've, I've trained individuals for years on, the, on building their own personal brand and being able to speak eloquently and share their message with the world. But I've used everything that's in that book, JJ, is what I've used over the last decade plus training other people how to sell. And so there's a lot of transferable knowledge between my book, those two books that I mentioned from Jeb. It's really impressive, though. I'll tell you, you know, my husband, co-CEO now of Mindshare, Tim, was a whale hunter in healthcare for his whole career, like has sold over half a billion dollars of different types of things. So he's done it in in different sub-industries in healthcare. However, when it comes to like training a sales team, he's had so much training, but he doesn't have a process, right? He's just knows how to do it. So Mm -hmm. I'm giving you kudos because it takes something to be able to go, okay, here's my process that I can now teach you how to do. When someone hires a salesperson, What are some of the things that they should be looking at? Because again, we're all looking once we've got our foundation, we have a health business ascension model. So we look at first creation, creating that program, that high ticket offer, and then getting our warm audience on board, making sure that your warm audience loves it before we start to move it into a cold audience. 
and then move it into systematizing it so that we can scale. And that's usually when we get into that next phase of optimize, we need to bring in a salesperson outside of ourselves. I think we should all start ourselves because if you don't understand how to talk about your own program, we have a problem. You know? If you can't sell it, I don't think anybody else can. If you can't sell it to your warm audience, don't think you're going to run an ad and have a salesperson fix this problem. But as we do that, we've got to be able to see if this is working or not. So what are some of the metrics that we should be looking at as we bring someone on board? I think you can start with top of funnel, especially if you've tested the offer yourself and you know, okay, I've presented this to a hundred people, right? Like at what stage, how many people did you move through your pipeline? And then paying a lot of attention to that customer acquisition cost, right? Like how much is it taking and costing you to acquire that client or that customer based on what it is that you're offering to the market? And does this make sense, right? So that's where you have to have somebody that's willing to like go the extra mile, do the extra dial. They have to be driven. They have to be ambitious. They have to be great at creating relationships. And they have to understand that KPIs matter, right? So, and that's the delicate dance, especially in healthcare sales world too, is that if you swing too far on the purpose-driven pendulum, sometimes you can end up with people that are like, but I'm just trying to help people. It's like, yes, we can help more people if we have great KPIs, right? So there's top of funnel metrics, right? How many opportunities do you have? How many does it take to, what's your conversion percentage, whether you're introducing a call into that process or whatever that next stage is, and then watching right? Watching it as you present it to different segments of your market, really identifying like, what is it going to take in order to get that closed deal? Is it 10 opportunities? Is it 100 opportunities? And then how many opportunities can that individual generate within a period of time? And so tracking it, especially early days for that product market fit and making sure that you have enough volume in order to make it make sense. That's fantastic because then you can figure out where in the funnel you're weak. Exactly. And then you can diagnose the problem, right? But uh-huh. if you're really clear on it yourself, right? And if you're bringing it to market, say you're you're putting it in front of 100 people and 20 of them are interested, right? And then maybe 10 of them book that call and five of them are going to make it in and actually sign up. Now you've got at least a baseline formula to work off of. And those are at least coachable metrics that you can say, listen, salesperson, I'm expecting you to crush these goals. <laughs> this is what I was able to do just with this small sampling. Now let's take this at scale. So what do we need to do to build top of funnel? You know, are there other tools that you can give them? There are so many things that you can give your salespeople to help them be successful, depending on what you're selling into, whether it's definitive data so that they understand what the the volume is, or maybe you're using different tools like Zoom Info, which I think is phenomenal. If you are, are really serious about sales and that's where your audience is, you can get a lot of information that can accelerate the process. And again, as you build that infrastructure, right, you can have sales loft and some different tools for an inside team. There's so many opportunities to really give them everything that they need to produce the volume that you need. So one of the big things that we work with our healthcare providers and health business owners is to build their personal brand, which I know you're big on. So let's just kind of talk through why this is even important, because I literally had someone the other day who I've coached for years, and she said to me, she goes, you know, I've I've focused on building the company brand. I never focused on anything around myself, and now I realize what a mistake that was. It's like, "Mm," you know, (laughs) so to avoid that, what would you tell someone who's looking at building? Because quite often they'll go, oh, I'm not going to use me. I'm going to do this, build it all over here, right? Yeah. 
I would say that's wrong. <laughs> I would agree with you, JJ, that it's super important that they invest the time, energy, and resources. People do business with people they trust, right? And naturally, there's certain professions like healthcare, legal, where people want to know the person that they're buying from because you're either putting something in your body, using something, right? Subscribing to something, doing something, paying somebody a lot of money for something. There's a lot of value in you building your own credibility so that more people trust you with their needs, whatever that may be. There was a study that came out a couple of years ago from the Brand Builders Group that talked about the importance, especially of healthcare providers and attorneys focusing on their personal brands to bolster their credibility and to increase their bottom line. And so if you're in healthcare, it just needs to be baked into your process that this is an area that you have to dedicate the time, energy, and effort to. And you have to show up. You don't have to be the person doing it, but invest the dollars to be visible so that people can build that trust with you, even if you haven't met with them personally yet. So it's critically important that you do the work. And I mean, it's again, it's one of the greatest investments that you can do for the long-term success. And going back to your sales team, it's going to make it a lot easier for them to sell you. So please do the work. And in doing the work, what kind of work would you be having them do? Like, what are some of the key needle movers or things they can do to build their personal brand? I break it down into four sections, right? So I focus on, first of all, their mindset's going to be a little wonky in the beginning if this is not something that feels good to them. So doing some work around like, hey, I'm going to have to get visible in order to really move the needle in my business. Mm -hmm. So the second M in the process is messaging. This is really getting clear on the pillars that you want to talk about. What are your areas of expertise? What's your zone of genius? What are the things that you want to share with the world? And don't dilute your focus. You dilute your focus, you dilute your results. Sometimes people come out and they're like, I want to talk about the 27 things I know something about. Please don't. Please don't. Yay. Is everyone hearing this? (laughs) This is is like the big thing we wrestle with because they, but I do all of these things. And I'm like, I know you do. But what's the hill you die on? What's the North Star? (laughs) Exactly. So, and it doesn't mean it can't evolve over time, right? We're naturally meant to evolve, right? As we gain expertise and, you know, other opportunities, other credentials and and exposure to wonderful things. Like that's where you can allow yourself to evolve. But please stay clear on your pillars. The third M in the process is marketing. Where do you need to show up in order for people to build that connection with you. And and again, back to the diluting focus, you don't have to be everywhere. You just have to be where your people are. So really understanding what do your ideal clients, customers, patients look like and where are they showing up to find you? And so really doing that work and making sure that there's alignment between the messaging piece and the marketing piece. The last piece is that monetization. So how are you going to get paid for being amazing? What is it that you need to do? What services that do you need to present to the world? And when all four of those M's are working together, It's a really good recipe for building your brand. Yeah, I love that so much. It is right in line with what we teach. Now, one thing I saw, though, in some of your notes, I was like, gave me a little bit of shortness of breath. Because you also recommend that team members build their brands. I do. I know. It feels a little risky. I know. It does. Trust me, I've had bosses in the past that have felt that it was risky for me to be building my brand. (laughs) I like that. Yeah, you know, so it is, right? But at the same time, especially for your salespeople, and this is where I've spent a lot of time working with my folks over the years, I want them to because they're an extension of my brand, right? And so if they're building brand equity and credibility themselves, they're showing up, right? They don't have to be the number one person under the spotlight, right? That should be the founder. That should be 
the people that are, are really launching, scaling the business, the ones that have the credentials, all of those things. But when your salespeople are reputable and can stand on their own and are great representatives of your organization, their brand individually is going to naturally attract people that are drawn to them, which in turn is going to pull them into your funnel as well. So yes, you got to watch it. It's a delicate dance and it can make people uncomfortable at times, but transparency in that too, that if you're going to say, listen, like I think it's important for you to build your brand. Here's what makes me comfortable as your boss. And here's where I can invest in you. And this is what we can do to help elevate you so that you're attracting more people to come to us. That conversation's really important because otherwise it can stir up those feelings, those emotions. Like, am I going to invest in this person or even give them the space to do this? Then they're going to bounce and leave and go someplace else. Like, it's a risk. It's right? more bounce and leave and take take everyone with them. Oh, uh, yeah. That's that's always a concern, right? However, it, I've looked at the reality is in, in Mindshare, our, our consultants really are mentors. They are out helping our mastermind members, our Income Stream Blueprint members, and they all have their brands. They all have their zones of genius. That's why we bring them in. So the reality is we are doing it. And I can see how in other organizations I've been in, when they've allowed the people who are really forward-facing to do that, it's so much more successful. Yes. And um, it really depends on what role, too, that they're coming in in the organization. So for example, I had a couple of dynamic young women that were excellent speakers. Excellent. I could put them on stages anywhere and they could win over the audience. They love to travel. That was something that they. Amen. Oh, they loved it. I mean, they were. Are they available? (laughs) Might be able to make some introductions, JJ, but they were fabulous. And so they were naturally building the organization's brand, but they were also really building their own. And I think, especially considering like who's the profile of individual that you want on your team and what matters to them, some of these individuals don't care about them right? They don't. That's not important to them. But there is a huge percentage of the population that does care about their own personal and professional development with whoever they attach themselves to next. And so by allowing them to have that opportunity to grow, to shine brighter in their own right, they're going to be very grateful for that. So again, it's like, what do they want? What are they looking for? And is there alignment here? And having those honest, ongoing conversations um, to see if it's making sense still in the future as they gain momentum and, and mobility. It also makes a ton of sense because if you've got a growth-oriented company and growth-oriented customers, you want to have growth-oriented team. Absolutely. And along the lines of compensation, because I would think being able to be in a company where you share an amazing purpose and a vision and there's opportunities for growth are invaluable and probably contribute more to someone wanting to be there than the financial opportunities. But the financial opportunities, hey, we still have to pay our bills. So are there some best practices in how you reward salespeople that you would recommend? There's a lot of ways that you can do this. But most importantly, you got to pay your people. And if your salespeople are really moving the needle and driving the bottom line and are making a big difference in your company, you need to do what you can to retain them. Also understanding what matters to them, right? So you want to be competitive in the marketplace no matter what. And, you know, you got to look at years of experience. You have to look at all of the factors that you believe are indicators of success. And if you need to do more on a commission base, like you just have to explain to them what that on-target earnings potential could be. And I highly encourage that if you have rockstar salespeople, that you'll leave it as an uncapped opportunity for them. Give them something to chase. I think that's the other thing too, is provide the pathway. 
paint the picture for them. Say, listen, I'm going to bring you in. And for six months, I'm I'm anticipating that to be your ramp. We're going to have a commission structure in place. But once you've hit that ramp goal of like, and of course, you, you need to have done numbers to understand like, what does that look like? Then you're going to have uncapped earning potential from a commission perspective, if that makes sense, right? Also, if that's allowed in the healthcare sector in which you operate, right? Some of these, you have to be real careful about what you do and what's permissible versus not. But if that's okay, then please do that and please give them upward mobility. So just as important as that personal and professional development, people want to see progress within their careers. So maybe you bring them in as you know, a marketing manager, and then maybe they can promote to a senior manager in a year if they've defined, if they've hit Mm. these targets, right? Again, you have to think of who you're going to be bringing into a sales role. They have to be driven, right? They have to be motivated. And if you as their boss understand what motivates them, whether it's financial gain, status, whatever it may be, freedom to work wherever it is, like you have to understand what's motivating them. And then you can align them, especially if you're only thinking about bringing in like one or two people, you have a lot more flexibility than you know, some of the organizations I worked at in the past that are scaling, you know, hundreds of team members per year. So that needs a little bit more structure, right, than a couple of team members. It's interesting, though. You know, I've been in sales and been the highest person in the company because I was bringing in everything. And I remember looking at this organization as we started to bring in more salespeople, they were complaining about having to pay salespeople. And I'm like, you should be thrilled. I am thrilled if I get to pay salespeople, if we've uh-huh. got the right commission structure set up, you want to pay them as much as, as possible because yes. guess what that means? Like I've never understood that. Or watching a company where as a salesperson starts to make more money, they then redo the sales plan so they don't make as so much. I go, are you, no. you know, slit your own wrist here? Yeah. What are you doing? No, you got to keep them happy, right? And like, there's a point, right? I've definitely seen salespeople that have like, they've come in and then the head gets like this big and they're hard to manage and they're difficult. But if you've got a good person that's like absolutely crushing it, please wrap your arms around them and make them feel loved and valued and seen and heard and appreciated. Give them opportunities. If it's a feasible, give them equity. That's something else that's really valuable that you can really play with as far as like putting together an on-target earnings offer that makes sense. That might not be as much upfront cash, but can really have a, a wonderful payout for them in the end if they stay with you for a period of time. So I think there's a lot of ways. There's a lot of levers that you can pull based on your business model. Most importantly, understanding what that threshold is for them to have some great earning potential and have a great career. That is fantastic. This is such a timely conversation. I looked at it today and went, oh, this couldn't be more perfect. Now, I know you have a gift for everyone. First of all, of course, we're going to have the links. Tell tell everyone a little bit about your book that came out last year. Oh, thank you. Yes, she believes she could. So again, that started after I started the podcast back during the pandemic and it just grew beautifully, but really broken up into three sections. So show up all again, all the mindset, confidence side of things shine brightly, right? Build your brand, really create your plan, and then achieve abundant success is all about putting the infrastructure in place and setting the goals to make sure it happens. So that launched this past year, and it was just an absolute joy and a a dream come true, right? And I think one of the things that I realized is I really loved the writing process, and I can't wait to do it again. Wow. I wish I was you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm deep in mind right now when I'm like, ew. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh goodness oh my gosh i like outlining and then yeah. i speak i outline and speak and then i hey, have that a, works and a, you've done a writer it well. like take it and thank god for <laughs> you know transcriptions and everything else 
Luckily, there's many ways to do this. So yes, um, yes but I always are. applaud people who love writing. I'm like, that's my next life. I'm going to sing. I'm going to be Beyonce, and <laughs> I'm also going to be <laughs> Seth Godin. Oh, I love That'll that. Be interesting. I love Anyways. I love all of those things. But yeah, you know, if anybody's interested in connecting, there's a, a free 90 day planner that they'll be able to download as well. I just I love being able to to help people in their process and. When I think about what I love most, right, it's two things. It's scalable impact. So it's being able to help people reach just abundant success and, and giving them everything that they need and, and being able to do it at scale. And then it's optimizing people's potential. So between the book and everything that I've done on that side of the house and, and what I've been able to do over the last gosh, 20 plus years working in healthcare and sales and all of these wonderful things, it's, it's pretty cool to be able to see it all come together and, and very full circle. Very good. You've done amazing things in a very short amount of time. Thank and you. I know that that you still got a lot more to go. <laughs> so, yay. <laughs> That's gonna, the plan. <laughs> I know. Like, oh, yes. <laughs> you know, they talk about retirement. I'm like, why would you do that? That's oh, if no. someone doesn't like what they're doing, man. I'm going to, I'm just starting. So we're going to put everything at mindsharecollaborative.com forward slash Allison. And it's A-L-L-I-S-O-N. You know, there's different Allison spellings. So we will put it all there, all the show notes, the links to those other books, link to your book, the link to the 90-day planner, all the good stuff. And thank you so much, Allison, for imparting all this awesome wisdom today and having people know that sales can be a fabulous thing. Oh, thank you, JJ. It was a pleasure. Appreciate you so much. Here at the Mindshare Collaborative, we are committed to helping you increase your vision, income, and impact. One of the first things we'd love to support you on is adding a high-profit leveraged income stream so that you can enjoy more time and money freedom. And to help you get started, I've created the Health Professionals Playbook for building multiple streams of income that identifies five proven strategies for creating a sustainable income beyond your primary practice to create time and money freedom. To get your free copy as my gift to you, go to ms365.io forward slash MSI. That's ms365.io forward slash MSI.